When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Editions here at Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, and Elijah Herbal. Busy week, and before we oh, were... Oh, jeez. Yeah, before we were getting... Is there that, ever not one here? It's, it's like as the well, world and, turns and, around it, here. It is, and we'll get to the, the week of the drama, and I was just kind of reviewing before we got kicked off here. <laughs> Where do you start? Well, yesterday morning on ESPN Radio with Keyshawn... Uh, Jay Will, Will and, and Mizunta Hente, and <laughs> I just I'm halfway through the Keyshawn segment, and there's there's been the, the last two instances where where Keyshawn's kind of gone off on Nebraska, and you know they, they lay out accurately for a national program, pretty accurately, just the painting of Nebraska, the hiring of Frost, and you know just just what his rep was and and is with the hire coming back to Lincoln. So it's not often a a national show that spends more time on NBA and NFL can can dial in because of relationships with college football. And, and I'm at the point right now where Keyshawn Johnson's describing that, you know, Nebraska fans are a, 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 a crazed fan base, and, and we are, and that's that's a good thing. You care, you love your football program, uh, you're proud of it, and, and you want it to be great again. <laughs> but Keyshawn's, <laughs> Keyshawn, I mean, his, his bias is not checked at the door here at all, at all. With And, and, I, and I get it because Mike Riley put him on the map. Mike Riley threw him the football 37 times in the Rose Bowl. And Keyshawn was a great player at SC. Keyshawn was the number one pick overall for the Jets. I mean, it's not every day a wideout goes number one overall in the NFL. So I, I, I appreciate Keyshawn's loyalty. But don't stare into the camera and tell me that Mike Riley had things set to go and ready to roll. He's revising it. He's still butthurt about his kid leaving. I mean... Yeah. It's not an accurate painting here. Now, is Nebraska struggling right now in the perception game? Absolutely. Do things look really pretty bad from a from a from an outside standpoint, not only record, but also the departures with the names associated. I didn't get to the to the end of the segment, but they, I know where they're going when you talk the name attachment to the player, McCaffrey and Warner. And then you got Coach Frost doing three media sessions in the last week, two radio hits and uh, a sit down with the World Herald and Journal Star. And you got to accentuate the positive. I get it about what you have at Adrian, what you have with the young players. I'm glad that 
there's been a slew of social media support by kids for their program and their coach. I'm glad there was bowling night on Thursday where all the assistants were out there bowling with the team. Yeah, uh, look, they're trying to show look. They 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 are, they are it's been a week of everything's fine. Uh, of spit, it, it's it's Kevin Bacon in Animal House saying all is well. And maybe things yeah. aren't as bad as they're being painted, but they sure as hell don't look good from an optic standpoint. No. And a perception standpoint, because that's going to hammer your recruiting in in unless you start winning ball games. The the bottom line is this, and I thought Marty and McGee just were great before we got on about the Nebraska and Tennessee parallel, because that was part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And it was, are you going to let it happen? As a fan base, are you going to let this happen? And we don't know what that is is it going to turn into by year five year six year you're back to winning seven eight nine ball games and and you're and you're climbing again uh we don't know what what 2021 will be uh it, it could be a fight for 500 where your schedule's so loaded that that you're in a lot of ball games and you see improvement and and you beat some teams you're not supposed to beat and you beat some teams you're supposed to beat. I mean, all things Cranac are are fixable and doable. It just kind of comes down to figuring out what you want to do and how you do it because the mm. thought is that this guy's a smart enough coach to to do it and I agree with that. I think when push comes to shove, Scott's a really good football coach. It kind of comes down to the management side that's a work in progress. And we can dive into all of it, but you've been able to sit back this week and and kind of observe. You're a a media specialist. What's your take on things? Because it's been just a lot of drama, okay? And that was potential to happen. And you just don't know if it's the program or if it's just the portal, right? Is it the climate we live in or is it the climate down on 10th and Vine? Look, and then there's a lot in there. There's there's so much. There's so many kind of rabbit holes you can go down. You can look at each case individually, which you need to you, do. What? Sure. And you can and you can come up with viable reasons slash excuses why they happened. And you can also come up with sky is falling uh, scenarios for each of them. Right. Like, you just can't. It just depends on how you want to digest it. How you what, what kind of spin you want to put on it. And you can look at Nebraska in comparison to other programs. And if you look at from December of 19 up to now, Nebraska is way up there in terms of amount of guys that have transferred. Nationally, Nebraska is among the most. It's most in the Big Ten outside of Maryland. So you can look at that. Or you can look at just this year in particular, where Nebraska's got, I believe, seven players in the portal um, this cycle. And that's actually not very high. And Notre Dame's North- got 12. I mean, you yeah, know. Right. N- N- Northwestern's up there, uh, including their top two running backs, right? So, the, look, the transfer portal is a thing, and it's a thing everywhere. But what I think is maybe different here uh, are a few things. One, this is on the heels of three years of frost, three losing seasons, a captain and your two top wide receivers have all decided to transfer out in the past couple years. Uh, look, it's not good. <laughs> so you, you can't see, sit here and say it's it's all good. And but I but I think more than anything, 
what stands out more than anything is that the, you have a North Stadium complex, a program, at least as of that moment when Luke McCaffrey finally said he's gone. At that very moment, at that snapshot in time, you could easily say that you have a team, a roster, a program that is not on the same page. There are too many human beings within that program not on the same page. And that is freaking poison for a program. <laughs> you can't, you know what I mean? You, you cannot have that. You cannot have people who were definitely team guys, right? Mm-hmm. From, from all accounts, at least according to them. Love their teammates, love their coaches until they didn't. A lot of people not on the same page. We saw we saw uh, bits of that too with with the coaching staff, with Greg Austin saying one thing, Scott Frost saying another. <laughs> right? You see, you see a little bit of it, it's less so with Chenander, but Chenander bristles sometimes, and there's this like offense defense kind of rivalry thing. Well, think uh, think, think about think about right? it. There's just right? Chris, just hold it real quick, <laughs> yeah, real quick. No, so good, they're I'm not sorry. on the same page. Too many, too many people. So at that moment in time, now when you say it's fixable, it is fixable. That completely is fixable. Nebraska's problem is not that it doesn't have fast and strong dudes or big dudes. That's not its problem. They got that. They're okay. I don't even think it's a scheme thing. I think their schemes are okay, but what play calls are you going to do? So it's, look, it's fixable, but you shouldn't underestimate how hard it is to fix. Oh, sure. Right? You you now have to, and this is why Frost doesn't get paid $5 million a year, $6 million a year, whatever the hell it is. He doesn't get paid just to draw up good plays. He doesn't get paid just to recruit. He gets paid to make sure that entire thing is on the same page, going in the same direction, which will lead to wins. Something that he is doing or not doing something, probably multiple things that he is doing or not doing, or that he's letting slide or that he's letting slip or that he's not paying attention to something is leading to all of this that we see a sloppy offense, sloppy special teams, guys leaving something's there. There's no question. There's something there, <laughs> right? What is it? Do we, we, and I don't think we know. You hope that he knows. You hope that he figures it out because it is fixable, but it's not easy. Well put. And if we're looking at, at some of the changes he has intimated or differences with more attention to X, Y, and Z, so my head's not buried in the play sheet. Okay, that could be it, one thing. It, yep. it, it, it is being more well-rounded and being a head coach, not just the guy who's kind of in on the offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to be able to know and coach and address and fix all things that ail your program, that special teams. That is development, and, and I think you're right. They have big, strong, fast dudes. But where, where have your skill position uh, kids, what have they done aside from transfer? And what have you done to get them the ball so they can use those skills? Well, and guess what? Right. If you've got, got a plan that you believe in that can work, then, then, then go at it versus I, I have felt like, especially last year, how did, how did the, the, the year start? Uh, let's have four different plans 
and setups for for Luke McCaffrey, starting with the, his role against you know Ohio State, and then towards the end of the year, like snap count wise, you had minimal snap counts for Luke because it was quarterback right where he was back at, and let's let's get Wandale the ball in droves because Wandale didn't get the ball a lot in in the first few games, right? I mean, you're, you're trying to manage your talent where you feel like you got to get the ball to these guys to keep them happy. I feel like poor Frosty's spent the last year, year and a half trying to just keep dudes here. <laughs> and, I think and, you're right. And, and, that, no, and, that, right. and, that, and effect, that has affected the play calling and, and maybe the, mm-hmm. the direction of a true identity offensively. All the while staying loyal to Adrian Martinez – and you can say a lot of things about Adrian with injury, with freshman year, with sophomore year, with junior year. But what he, what one thing he did get right with his quarterback, his cornerstone recruit, he got a dude that's mentally tough. And going into year four, there's nothing, there's truly nothing he's not seen or been through, which you yeah. hope will help come fourth quarters in a lot of tight ball games. So. Yeah. Yeah. That was one silver lining out of this bleep show of a season where your quarterback didn't crack and go into a shell after being benched because nine times out of ten, that happens in college football. Hell, that can happen in pro football. No, he's developed some mental callus there, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's good. And you're you're right. I think there there was a degree. This is all in hindsight. You don't necessarily realize it then while it's happening, but there's – Probably one part of this discussion that you just alluded to is coddling of some players, right? Of just sort of trying to placate them, mm. looking down the road and being like, "Oh crap, if we don't get Luke involved." Well, we they're good him. players like, oh, too, so it makes sense to deal. use them too. Sure, sure, it does. But you're, but you're also in some ways you're you're maybe compromising the integrity of the system of your offense, and you're you're not you're not necessarily calling things for the right reasons. And here's the thing. It didn't work. Right. Right. So if there was some coddling there, if there was some, you know, go out of your way to like mention Luke being the future around here at quarterback in press conferences. If you're going out of your way to placate a couple of guys and it didn't work, they both left. (laughs) Right. It's like I hopefully that's a lesson for Scott where he's like, you know what? No, I can't. I can't do that. I can't act like that. It's people see through it as sort of fake or as desperate or as whatever. And it doesn't work anyways. They leave anyway. So what's the point? So hopefully, hopefully there's a lesson learned from that, you know, and hopefully, and I think he, he said something else that I, I wonder if it was more of an admission than it seems like when he said, you know, we've got a lot of good players here. I think he said this to, uh, to Greg Sharp on sports Mm -hmm. nightly. Uh, something along the lines of we got a lot of good players here. I can't spend a second worrying about guys that are here. I got to worry about the guys that are right. And I wonder to me, that was a bit of an admission that he has been worried about the wrong things a little bit too much. Right. It it could be, I might be reading into that too much, but that's all we have to go on. Of course, is like these few kind of moments in time when he interacts with the media and we just pick it apart, <laughs> um, you know, against the backdrop of all these people leaving. But I, I think all of this ultimately comes down to a question for Husker Nation, <laughs> which is, does does Frost deserve the benefit of the doubt to get it fixed? Are you willing to give him the benefit? Of, like Mike Riley did not get the benefit of the doubt. 
And and I'm, I'm not saying he should have or shouldn't, but he just didn't. He did not get it. Right. He was just like, get the hell out of here. Leave our program now. Does, is Frost going to get the benefit of the doubt that he can figure it out and that he deserves more time? Because, look, man, I am not convinced. I'm sorry. This isn't to be uh, alarmist or whatever. And, and I think to some people, this won't even seem that surprising. But, like, I, dude, I don't think they can survive. I don't think the Frost Moose thing can survive 4-8 and eight this year. I just don't. I, I, I think as we – do you know what I mean? You're four. I, here, here's – listen. I, I just don't think they can't. I, I think they act, I think they have to win. I, look, it's easy to say, no, oh, no, he gets plenty of time. They just extended him, blah, blah, blah. But I'm just saying, how is this place acting, responding if you know, it's, it's North not, Dakota pulls It's not been well, dude. Win it's not been well the last two years because you had the expectations yeah. – and while well, Nebraska fans had so much pride going on with the fight to play, you you lose your mind as a fan base when you're helping the other team beat you. I mean, it's just fundamental football that, all right, so you're not getting pushed around on the lines of scrimmage. That's a check in the positive box, great? Uh, but, Dude, there has been improvement. Absolutely. No, there, there, there has been, yeah. but, but it's still like there's moments where there's just errors and sloppiness that that screw yourself, and that that is maddening if you're a, a Nebraska fan. Or the inability to kind of zero in or go away from what was working in an offense that's going the wrong direction. So there's some second guessing. It feels like there's uncertainty, and or at least it looks like that on Saturdays. And there's no off weeks in the Big Ten, so. In the same breath, they're a touchdown away from beating Northwestern. If they don't throw a pick in the uh, red zone, they beat Northwestern. Uh, they're, they're, they're right there with Iowa driving uh, to, to win that bastard 28-27 or 27-26. What happens? Strip sack with your senior uh, captain. And this isn't to pile on Farniok, but <laughs> I mean, the, that's, that's one of the voices of your team that people are supposed to listen to and look towards and what happens that guy's not one of your best players right you well need, you need to match right. you need to match that up is so is all of this stuff that happened and we cannot answer this question right now no your we question no, i'm going to um, answer it i'm going to answer it and and the answer is is again i go back to letting it happen as yeah. frustrated as you are i i i pray for nebraska fans it isn't three and nine four and eight or even five. I mean, a lot of it is how does it look? Does it look the same where you're you're helping beat yourself? Or if you're losing a, a say two years ago, Pat Fitzgerald went three and nine. All right, in between quarterbacks with a great defense. Now that that would not play, but it's not like Northwestern got housed in in many games during their three and nine campaign. They lost all of them like thirteen to ten. Sure. So what's what does progress look like in comparison to your record? Do you play better football and you're just a year away from depth and talent? And I know we've been saying, well, it's next, you know, we turned into Cub fans just next year, just next year. <laughs> but but very similar in, in yeah. all in all seriousness, a lot of it depends on how they look. Can you hone in on an offense 
Can you do what you need to win versus worrying about how you look when you try to win? And, and all of that's a maturity and a step thing. So, yes, there's a runway. Yes, um, I, I believe that these guys are the ones that, that can get it fixed. And I think you need to, to, uh, to resist the reset because it's yeah. been the problem that's caused all of this for the last 20 years. You hit reset and start the game over after three, four, five years, seven years after Polini. He was winning nine, ten ball games. That's a freaking wet dream right now. <laughs> well, listen too. It's it, look. We so we know that there were a lot of we know that there was a lot of not same paging going on, right? Well, that, we we that, know that, that was comes happening. down to the CEO part of your job that you nailed. Could be. It could be. So so, what we don't know right this second is if all of that turnover that has happened, all of the transfers. The, the players that have elected not to come back for their extra year or the players that have elected to go into the NFL draft or that have transferred. D- does that actually help Nebraska get on the same page? Were some of those folks malcontents in one way or another that somehow was allowed to sort of fester, maybe did so passive aggressively and kind of affected things in the locker room? Don't know. We, we can't answer that question right this second. Right? Now, I think people are quick to be like, addition by subtraction. Like the people that are Frost apologists. Mm. Get them out of there. They, they don't want to be here. Get them out of here. And there's some truth to that. I sure. get it. Um, but what you, do, <laughs> what you don't know <clears throat> is, is that a symptom? Is, is them leaving actually really that? Is it actually better for the program overall? Which we again we won't know until the fall, <laughs> the answer to that question, right? If Nebraska's reeling off wins against Wisconsin, do you think any of us are talking at all about Wandale or Luke? That's no. the big thing. We won't care. Winning. So like you don't know if all of this stuff is good, but th- what you started this thing with, sure as hell doesn't look good. <laughs> it does not look good, and you're and we're we got our heads in the sand if we just excuse it all away. But the thing is, I think the reason why you bring in Frost in the first place, the reason why you give him six years, I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt. I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt to to make it right. And maybe what we just went through, maybe actually helps the entire program get on the same page. Maybe you wish it didn't happen like that. There's probably a way to do it without going through those rasher transfers. Mm-hmm. Uh, or come fall, it's the same old crap show <laughs> and the offense is sloppy and the special teams can't kick a ball into the end zone and no one can stop a return. No one can muster a return and you're turning it over all the time and you're four and eight again. Meanwhile, the, the punching bag part <laughs> right. of this equations, the, the unit that's done the best part has gotten better and is going to be your strength next year is the defense i agree and, now but i do want to i do want to slow the roll a little bit there just because oh, sure, they're all sure. coming back right i get the sense that people are expecting 90s era black shirts or something it's like dude no it isn't it going to be out, it isn't going to be 09 but they get to continue their progress yeah. with some really good players and you know it says a lot to me in a world where most places are averaging four to five yards a, a play on on a given snap, 
what says the world to me is Nebraska dropped. And Cranach, you and I go back a lot of years with football, so like anything above like two and a half yards per carry sucks. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> but in in today's reality of college football, Nebraska's defense in front seven dropped their yards per carry allowed by a yard and a half. Yeah, that's and, significant. That's yeah. huge. And, and and doing that with an only a. Uh, uh, Here's the other thing that I don't think we spend enough time on is the fact that it was a conference only schedule, right? Versus being able to have those stat padding games. There was no fluff in padding. the non-con. Yeah, yeah. So like to do that specifically with a Big Ten schedule, specifically with a pretty tough Big Ten schedule. Uh-huh. And I know, I know, Nebraska. I know, I know Wisconsin wasn't in there, but not Nebraska's fault for that. Yeah. So mask up, mask up, Madison. <laughs> what do you think? No, I great social distance. Great points. Great points. And, you know, the benefit benefit of the doubt is the question. And like some hand sanitizer, Mertz, the the reality is, is also this is your guy to do it. And right. There's that feeling out there that if he can't do it, who can? And and right now there's been some out loud or message board thinking of, well, maybe maybe somebody else can do it. I think Frost needs, deserves his staff is is up and down as it's been. There's been some progress. He gets that you need to be better on the lines of scrimmage. They've they've addressed that. And they gotta get the rest of it fixed. And that comes down to the offensive identity. I would love to to figure out just where they want to go versus what they've been trying to please. Uh, on offense, yeah. right? It's it's a mismatch. It's it's been so frustrating and, and confusing to watch because you don't you'll, know because you'll see some be. some series where they'll come out and be able to run the football. Yeah, and the the play action's nice, and and I think Adrian can be a really good consistent quarterback. Got to take care of the football, but man, I I'm just not I'm not in on right now blowing it up again or. No. Just saying it's it's over, it's done. Let let there be some some growth and some continued maturity. Let's I, I mean, I don't know what Scott's role was when it comes to being hands on or hands off at Central Florida. I know they kicked butt. I know they had a ton of talent. Yeah. So this is and it's not an excuse, but is it new for him to have to really be all knowing, all seeing? On the football team that you would assume that, but this is or, really a concerted effort now to pay attention to special teams. I mean, there's been missteps along the way. Absolutely. But it's not like you can't correct those. And I and, and if you're a Nebraska fan, you hope it translates to better games, more wins and and being able to, to just get it done in the fourth quarter, because that's what brother, that's what next year is going to be. It's going to be a, a, a dogfight against Buffalo. Like Lance Leopold's name's out there for Tennessee. Nebraska fans remember him. He's killed it wherever he's gone. Yeah. Uh, you've got the pig farmer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. That's and, what I'm saying. Can he withstand that? Like, can can Buffalo roll into Lincoln and get a W? Oh yeah, absolutely. And everything's going to be fine. No, 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 no. Like, 
that's what I'm saying about four and eight next year. Like, no, the fan base sucks to have this discussion, but like, fan base will lose it. Yeah, this place will not take that well. No, (laughs) no, it won't. But guess what? Deal with that well. Guess what? Though it comes down though to to the administration and the support. The place can be pissed, but ultimately there's decision makers, and you got to stand by your crew if you get to that point. If Nebraska's three and one after four games. And, and plays well enough to win with their schedule that's as stacked as it is. Yeah. You know what? You got to look at it as progress, even though it may not be nine and four. Okay. Go ahead. It's just been a lot. Look, I think, and I think it also boils down to offensively. You just, it's just a lot of uncertainty. The, the players just did not look certain at what they were running, right? Like the routes weren't sharp and crisp. The, the pace wasn't great. It's just like, you gotta, you gotta just like, Pick a path and then, well, just be just be dead set on it. It, it, it. I don't know. It just it just seemed like there was a lot. And by seeing everybody transfer, you could tell there is uncertainty. People sure. don't necessarily believe in what's going on, and well, so you're like, dude, yeah, you, you need pr- you need fix. you need proof of concept is what you need. You need to see what you're getting, what you're being told is going to work and be successful. You needed to see it work and be successful on Saturdays. Rewind's coming up. Uh, we'll hear from Brandon Vogel, Vogel in 25 minutes. Gary Sharp with us. And uh, Pro Bowl kicker. Love catching up with this guy to talk some Super Bowl. Sam Cook from the Ravens next on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Early to rise with Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time to say hello to a pro bowler and uh, the uh, longtime punter for Baltimore, Sam Cook, back with us. Sam, how you been, man? It's been a while. Doing good, Chris. Just uh, enjoying the offseason now with the family, just you know, watching these games these last couple weeks and just wishing we were still playing, but... Just wasn't in the cards this year, but we're doing good. I, I got to ask you: you guys were were right there, and uh, Baltimore is always uh, a threat, and you're not that far removed from a from a Super Bowl. For you personally, man, I mean, you've you've done 15 years, you've made Pro Bowls, you're just a staple when it comes to the the, the world of punting and special teams. How did you deal? with th- this COVID season, and I know you had to, to deal with COVID yourself. Do you mind taking us through your experience? Yeah, it was just, uh, you know, mentally it was exhausting throughout the whole COVID experience because from July 24th till I ended up contracting COVID, we were testing every day. Occasionally, we would have to do a rapid test with a PCR test if we ever got in close contact. And so, granted, it was just the swab of the nose rather than having to go all the way in the back. But, you know, it was just mentally exhausting because every day you had to amount for an extra 15 minutes for testing and going through and getting your temperature checked two to three times each day. But And then you having to make sure you wear Connexons. It has to be on, on you at all times, tracking close contacts, where you've been. And it was always keeping track of that day in, day out, and making sure you took the responsibility that you weren't close to, enough to somebody for longer than six minutes each day because 
somebody contracted it, then you know you would be close contact. And so it was pretty uh, pretty mentally exhausting, but you know, and it's one of those things you got to fight through adversity in in football. And it was one of those things we did did a great job of that as a team this year, and you know made that playoff run. But yeah, it's it's in some ways it's nice to have to not have to test anymore. But it sucks that we're not out there playing. I was going to say, you've been on championship teams. How how close is this group? And in the NFL, obviously things can change. But uh, you've got Lamar at quarterback. You've got a really solid O-line. Your defense, I mean, that always is a real thing in Baltimore. And your special teams speak for itself. But, I mean, this team's not going anywhere. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, these... Our group of guys, it's a remarkable group of guys. Our rookies that came in this year are just some of the best rookies I've I've seen come in in 15 years. They come to work. They don't, you know, complain. Go to meetings. They're responsible on top of guys to be around. And, and the chemistry that, you know, as a young guy that brought to the team along with the older veterans, it was a – solid chemistry this year and I look forward to having that opportunity next year with these guys because we got a great group of guys. Sam Cook is with us on Hale Varsity Radio Pro Bowl punter for Baltimore and chemistry can be a funny thing uh, on on each level of football right and and you've seen uh, some years where there's chemistry and some years that chemistry's kind of got to grow. What are the keys to chemistry, in your opinion, for a, for a pro franchise? Well, I think it's one of those things, the older guys, you know, looking up to the uh, the older veterans, asking for advice. You saw a lot of that this year, and the uh, the veterans, you know, taking that leadership role and and bringing those rookies under under their wings and teaching them what it's like to go through this long, long season because, you know, college seems so short until you get into the NFL. And that's 16 weeks with – or the 17 weeks with the preseason. And then if you make it to the postseason, you got to understand the magnitude and just everybody buying into the one system, you know, I think plays a huge role. And by the leadership that we had this year, these guys were remarkable with Calais and – Mark Ingram, and even some of the younger guys like Lamar Jackson, you know, the types of things that they did this year, it was it was very cool to see. And so everybody buying into the same same uh, like paradigm and just sticking to that plan. Do you get to see practice, obviously, because you're there. Uh, does Lamar just kind of wow you? You've been around, and I mean, you're, you're there. You see the best of the best every Sunday. And what's your take on Lamar as far as his athleticism? Yeah, so uh, as far as Lamar, like he's the guy is just a spectacular athlete. And watching him come in uh, on his first couple years to seeing where he's at now and the type of progress that he has made and confidence that he, he instills through his throwing and his running and out there at the, on game days, it's pretty cool to see and you know it all comes with the amount of work that he's been wanting to put in he's put in a lot of work a lot of work in meetings a lot of work out on the field and trying to get better and building those relationships with receivers and o-linemen and it's just it's very cool to see and and you hope that 
more and more rookies that come in start seeing that and paying attention to that. Sam, tell me about your work ethic. You've been a longtime vet, and you're regarded as as kind of a, a, a trendsetter with just the, your your repertoire of pitches because you're a guy who works on his craft. Take me through, you know, how you keep getting better, how you keep refining, uh, because you're kicking in all sorts of elements. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like, I, yeah, I'm just never satisfied. It's like you can have the greatest game, and it could always be better. And so having that mindset is just putting that forward each day, going out there and doing the things, the right things, the necessary things to improve in every aspect of the football game, whether it be – through meetings in the weight room, my nutrition, the way my body feels, paying attention to that, just a lot of things that go into it. And I'm always trying to find ways to become better and improve any sort of aspect of the game or, or my lifestyle. Sam Cook's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. How did you eat in college and when did you start eating and paying attention to nutrition in the NFL? How did I eat in college? Jeez, well, at Nebraska, you just you had the buffet that you ended up just going there, and whatever they had, you ate. So it was one of those things. I came in as a as a red shirt freshman at like one ninety five, two hundred, and by the end of my uh, red or my true freshman year, I think I was two forty two. Wow! And so I had my fair share, but we also we also did a ton of lifting with. Dave Kennedy as our strength coach at that time. We did a ton of lifting, and you know, between that and the uh, the food, I put on a lot of muscle and a lot of weight. But also knowing that once I got into league, I didn't need to be the biggest guy on you know mm-hmm. as far as like a linebacker style. So it got to be more about learning how my body's responding to different lifts. So I got to make sure my I'm flexible enough to get up through my punts and finding those ways and those little intricacies that allow my body to be in the best shape for every game. And it takes, you know, it takes years and years of trying to find that, that rhythm and that routine. But throughout all those years, you know, I finally found a good routine that is pretty consistent. I try to make sure my sleeping's consistent and, you know, first and foremost is making sure the body's in the shape that it needs to be to go out there and practice every day and, and to be at the top of your game. Sam, what was your Super Bowl experience like? Yeah, you know, uh, the, the, going to that first Super Bowl, you know, we always hear Ray Lewis is like, you won't appreciate it until you've actually been through it and then once you've been through it, then you realize how cool it is, and that makes you want to get to it more and more. Well, when you go through that first Super Bowl and actually ever getting the opportunity, all you're thinking about is, man, just going out there and playing the game. But then you realize that you just kind of lost out on all the experiences because you were so focused on the game. And I think that's what drives me is wanting to be able to get back to the Super Bowl and experience everything that went went with a Super Bowl and and just being able to have that experience to sit back and reflect on. You were so locked in the first time, you just didn't enjoy the ride, so to speak. Is that fair? Exactly. So locked in, went and did my practice and tried to treat it as much of a normal week in football 
as I as I do every week. And throughout that, it was like you go to practice, you go to your room. My family was out having fun in in New Orleans, and that's fine. But me, I, my my job was focused on making sure I did it to the best of my ability and and making sure I stayed focused on the game. Couple more minutes. Sam Cook with us on Hale Varsity Radio, uh, Pro Bowl putter for Baltimore Ravens. Uh, another uh, playoff run this season. So you, you have Tom Brady now down at Tampa, and for years it always seemed to come down to Baltimore, New England. And of course, uh, you've got Kansas City, and, and you've had a couple of showdowns with the Chiefs the last two regular seasons. Are you shocked? Not shocked that Brady's taking another team to, to the Super Bowl? I mean, it just shows you the guy. The guy has people that just, you know, they they want to play good for the guy, and I think he, as a leader, insists that with his guys. And you see guys like Edelman and Woodhead go up there and just be great receivers, and everybody's on there because you know they are trying to help out Tom Brady, and. You see how good he is as a leader and how everybody responds to that. It's just so cool to see him take that Tampa team and be able to go to the uh, playoffs. As much as I'd like it to be, you know, us instead of the Chiefs down there. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it is what it is. But it's very cool to see. And I look forward to watching that game. Patrick Mahomes watching him do his things. It's it's an extraordinary thing to watch. A few more minutes. Former Husker standout and pro bowler for the Baltimore Ravens, Sam Cook, with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Sam, uh, what is special teams worth? And, and I mean that not as a, a, an idiot question, but can you kind of put it into words? What special teams is worth on a given Sunday in the NFL? I ask that because... That's big, a, been a big emphasis for Coach Frost in Nebraska as they're trying to get their special teams up. And I know the NFL are, are two different levels. The NFL and college are two different levels. But just uh, what, what is that third phase? Uh, what does it mean on a Sunday? Well, it, it, it means a lot. Obviously, your, your punt team and field position is of utmost importance. And having the the strong core with that and the kickoff and the field goal. I mean, it plays a huge part. And as a field goal or as a special teams unit, if you can go out there and produce a one positive play or as in some ways that we put it, like get like three or four first downs, mm-hmm. we are adding value. And to be able to go in there and have that one big play each game to change field position or create a turnover adds a lot of value each game. And being on special teams as long as I have, you try to go out there and you only get that one opportunity to create that play, and you got to make the most of each and oppor- each every and every opportunity. You know, in some circles, you're the most accurate passer in the history of the NFL. Well, yeah, in some circles, let's not get too carried away. <laughs> what you're seven for seven on fake punt completions? Whatever that I have no clue. I just go out there when they called. I throw that, throw it. So I throw the ball and make sure it's a completion. Do, how, do you? How many times do you practice in a week throwing the football? Um, I mean, it just depends on what we see. I mean, I throw the ball every day at practice. Yeah. Um, before the game, I throw pat and goes, and um, <laughs> you know, do all that type of stuff. So I, you know, I I throw a lot. That's pretty cool. What have you kept an eye at all on Nebraska? 
Have you watched from afar? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I always keep an eye on Nebraska. What What's your take on things? You know, I, you know, knowing not knowing Scott Frost, but the type of leader that he was when he played at Nebraska. You know, I I see you know positive things happening, and I have all the faith in in him and the team that they got there, and. You know, it, it, it's sad that I, I, I hate to see Nebraska lose, and I want them to get back to the way it was in the mid-'90s and the early-'70s and stuff like that. But it all takes time. And finding that that chemistry that we were talking about earlier, it just it takes a group of guys wanting to, to find that chemistry together and be able to create a winning football team. Sam Cook's with us. Sam, last thought. So when you walked on at Nebraska, I mean, because your high school career at Seward, you played O-line and D-line and fullback and tight end, and you also obviously kicked. Was it was it kind of pitched to you to kick at Nebraska, or did you become a kicker at Nebraska? Uh, that was one of the things. They recruited me as a linebacker slash punter kicker. And, you know, Coach coach it and want me to come on and do the punting and kicking see how I liked it when spring ball came around the next year if I wanted to do linebacker then I could go try that but after a year of just focusing on that I realized you know I enjoyed that trying to get better at that and uh, just focus on that from there on out there's not a, a lot of, of, of linebacker punter combos is there <laughs> that's pretty cool no, I don't believe so anymore. I mean, I think uh, during my time there probably was some some guys that were like that, but anymore it's just more or less specializing in punting and and kicking. Sam, uh, best to you and your family, and enjoy the off season. Stay uh, safe and healthy, and thanks for a few minutes with us. Absolutely, I appreciate it, Chris. Call anytime. Thanks for having me. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery Weekend Edition. Big thanks to Sam Cook, punter for the Ravens, the pride of Seward with his last hour. And uh, kind of a weekend review with uh, all of the transfers and drama and talking points and media appearances for uh, Scott Frost and man. Uh, let's get the uh, spring season here to talk about some football, but... Uh, a lot of uh, discussion centering around Nebraska. We kicked things off with some commentary on Keyshawn Johnson's thoughts on on the Nebraska football program. We welcome in managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and magazine and author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, Brandon Vogel with us this morning at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, good to spend some time with you. How's your uh, Saturday morning going? Yeah, pretty good so far. How are you guys? We're good. I mean, we got to, to kick things off talking about Keyshawn Johnson, man, and his take on Nebraska football. What couldn't be better? <laughs> never never would you have thought that, that Keyshawn Johnson and, and Nebraska football would be so linked. But here we are, uh, what, well, at least five years on from <laughs> removed when, they, when, they, when their paths first crossed. Uh-huh. So 
Great yeah. stuff. It's it's interesting. How do you kind of sift through the week? What's what's been your reaction? We'll start with we'll start with the transfers. And uh, is it something that can be overcome? Probably, but from a perception standpoint, is it is it as bad as it sounds? Or how, how do you kind of gauge it? Um, I mean, it's it, it's not good for for sure i mean the, the mccaffrey news <laughs> like you know everybody was i felt like was waiting for that like it'd been rumored enough that it was kind of yeah it was there was plenty of smoke and so you were just kind of waiting for oh i finally found the fire um and, and there there it was so by the time that came down i think a lot of people myself included had kind of already processed it and it was going to be it was going to be unique for Nebraska to kind of keep the the perfect quarterback depth with you know one guy per per class that it had built up. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's symbolically it, it's probably bigger than the impact it has uh, on on the season ahead. But you still just the the raw kind of numbers here and the amount of guys you're losing like. It's just, it's going to be hard to 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 get to where Nebraska wants to go to if you consistently lose half of your recruiting classes. I mean, we've talked a lot about that on this show. Um, I've looked at it a lot, yeah, and it, it, it's kind of always there about that forty percent mark. But so far, you've already lost half of the first two. Well, the twenty eighteen class or the twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen classes. Half those guys are already gone. So, unfortunately, you're ahead of schedule there in terms of the attrition rate. And, and you don't want to be ahead of schedule on this one. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. It, you know, when you boil it all down, kind of, it, I think when you're looking at the, the rash of transfers, plus maybe some of the communication issues that we detected during the year with um, – you know, one coach saying one thing, another coach saying another. It's just generally speaking, it just seems like a program that is not on the same page, right? Like at the end of the day, when you boil it down, there is just a lot of a lot of guys going in a lot of different directions. Um, it, do you think that more than anything is what Frost needs to figure out? And that can take on a lot of forms. It can take on a lot of forms to try to dig into, but end of the day, isn't isn't that what he's paid five million dollars a year to figure out is how do you get everybody going in the same direction because right now it just seems like they're not yeah i i would agree and you know you're you're gonna have transfers you're gonna have attrition uh, and and i think most people whether it happens in nebraska or oklahoma or tennessee or wherever uh, for guys that, okay, they came in, it didn't quite find field as quickly as it happened, or you thought it might happen. Like, everyone understands those. But when you have guys who, like J.D. Spielman and Wanda Robinson, who were getting the ball a ton and were obviously focal points of the offense leaving, then it really underscores, like, okay, well, why don't these guys want to be here? So, yes, I think, I think the primary challenge uh, is getting Nebraska to a point where you're always going to have a handful of players leave, but it, it actually feels like players want to be there um, instead of them having to come out and say it uh, in, in a flurry of tweets. You know, that's that's where you want to – you got to get there. Like, it's, it's all about kind of the team-building aspect of it, and until you do that, it's going to be a real uphill climb. 
Brandon Vogel's with us, uh, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. As you look at it, Vogues, is it as simple as winning as to why guys are are so quick to leave? I mean, obviously the, the portal is, there's no roadblock, man. <laughs> I-80's open, <laughs> okay? Um, you can get out if you want to get out, but it, does it, does it, is it proof of concept? Where, all right, I no longer have any faith this is going to work as an offensive player, so I'm out. Or is it something more like my brand, my my aspirations beyond college? And I know it's it's not one thing for kid. It's uh, per kid. It's 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 different for every individual. But if you were to ballpark it, is it more about okay? I'm not sure this is where I want to be because. I'm I'm frustrated with usage, or is it something about just we're not winning, man? This is no fun. Yeah, uh, winning solves a lot. Uh, I mean, it it makes <laughs> it, it lifts the mood uh, around the program first and foremost, and, and I think that's both true internally and and externally. Um, and it, it it is. I, I think the key thing is you, you kind of hit on a key word. It's just more fun. It's, it's more fun to be around, and you're probably willing to deal with a little bit more. So, you know, if, if you're a player who's like, ah, I'm not quite doing exactly what I want to do or what they told me I would do when, when I was recruited, um, but we're winning, and I like the, I, I like the vibe around the, the, the office and the facility and the locker room, and it, it's pretty fun. And, of course, you know, if you're winning at Nebraska, the fan support is going to be even – beyond what it already is. Um, so you'd get a revel in that. And it's just, it, it solves a lot of things. The problem is, is what are the, this, what is this program and these coaching coaches doing right now to take steps to make sure those wins don't come? Because it's super easy to say like, yeah, this is the record after three years and it should probably be this. And it, it shouldn't be worse. It should be better. So, why, how are you going to ensure those wins come? Because you can just sit around and wait for them, and maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe one year you'll only lose two of your 14 fumbles and gain 10 of the opponent's 15. Like, those things happen. But then you're just you're sitting around waiting for it to happen, and I don't know if Nebraska can do that. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. I did an unofficial count, so don't hold me to this, but I believe – Let's just talk about the players that are here and what's left and what maybe they're trying to salvage or create. Um, I counted, I believe, 53 players that are 6'4 or taller on the roster. Whether or not those are accurate heights is another story, but it's a big freaking team. Like physically a very large, a lot of large human beings are walking around North Stadium right now. Receiver position, that has drastically changed in terms of the options that you have. Um, and then I think running backs, they're seeming to prioritize guys with size a little bit more. What do you think we see on offense this year, considering the body types that they have brought in um, and kind of the, the the amount of holes they have to fill? I mean, pretty much all of your, your main offensive guys – Skill-wise, guys that get the ball, a lot of them are gone outside of tight end. What does this thing turn into? What do you think they're building? Um, well, I think the the basic model for what they wanted to build, you know, which which <laughs> Frost kind of alluded to uh, 
And 15 years ago, it was kind of, you know, the elements of Oregon with the, the old school power of Nebraska, you know, which gets cited all the time. Now, Nebraska was in the Big 12 at that point, and, and I think the early years in the Big 10, or with this staff, they quickly realized, like, just they probably came in expecting, okay, we're going to need a good deal of size and physicality. Um, I think it was probably even a little higher than, than maybe they were expecting. But on that front, they've done pretty good. Like you, you mentioned, the, just the sheer size difference with where this team looks at after – three recruiting cycles about to be four and okay it's there uh you, you gotta see it and how does it translate to to offense like it, that one's still it's 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 tough for for nebraska in 2021 when you just look at what would be fair to expect based on what's returning and what's not uh you feel okay on the offensive line got your quarterback back um receivers yes you've got that size there so but it's it's largely unproven, and you, and you need a running back to step up. I mean, they need to be able to to run the ball with their running backs, and then hit hit downfield shots with this receiving core that has gotten bigger. And I mean, I understand like every football team in the country wants to do those things, but I still really do think that's that's the model. And then you add the pace piece to it, and you can start gobbling up yards and chunks if you're able to hit on those two things. Brandon, continuing down this thread of what the offense is going to look like next year, now, now that Luke McCaffrey is out and he's in the transfer portal, uh, we can assume that Adrian Martinez is going to be the starter next season. Um, but do you think that Nebraska should go and prioritize a, a quarterback in the transfer market to give Adrian some competition and maybe give the Husker fans someone to to call for if Adrian Martinez isn't playing up to uh, the standards that we'd expect from a Nebraska quarterback next year? Uh, I, I, w- I would wait uh, until you, you've got spring football in and, and see, because, that, you know, spring football is going to add some guys to the, to the portal, too, around the country. It's just the way that it works. But I, I know the coaching staff's pretty high on, on Logan Smothers. I'm really interested to see him. Um, so I think that determination comes down to how they, how they feel about where Smothers is at as technically still – uh, a, a true freshman, but with the benefit of being able to practice and being able to go on the road and experience college football, even though he didn't get into any, into any games. So I think that's the, the key factor. Um, it, it's a little bit risky. It, it, depend, it depends a lot on how you feel about Smothers now, because if you wait until after the spring um, and, and you go on and say you bring in a transfer QB at that point, a guy who's maybe started some games somewhere else, like, then you're into an off season, a, a summer again of being like, well, is Adrian the guy, or is this, you know, <laughs> this guy who came in from North Carolina State or whatever, um, going to push for that job? That might actually end up being counterproductive too. So a lot of it comes down to comes down to Smothers for me. Vogues, let's take another step uh, forward with Smothers, and what what do you believe can translate from? Logan, the high school phenom, to Big Ten quarterback. We know that Luke McCaffrey could run and was a phenomenal athlete. There were accuracy issues, at least this part of his career. It's not that that McCaffrey can't be a better thrower down the road, but he won't do that in Lincoln, obviously. But with Smothers, what, what what do you think or what do you like about his game uh, that can eventually make him a, a winner at Nebraska. 
I, I honestly don't know at this point because we can go back and look at his high school tape, and you know that looks as good as you'd expect for a guy who, who gets a scholarship to a place like Nebraska. I mean, the speed jumps off, jumps off the the screen there when you when you do go back and watch those. So that's that's good. I mean, that's a weapon that Nebraska clearly knows how to use. I think for this offense to get up and running, it, it, it has to use that weapon less often than it has over the past, well, particularly two seasons. Um, so that, that's a nice thing to have with mothers. Like, it, it really comes down to me, is, is he a guy who is capable of kind of letting the offense work for him? And, and Adrian Martinez, I think, is getting better in, in that regard. But there's still, you know, still just moments where you're like, Okay, if you if you make this other decision here, and this happens all quarterbacks, of course, um, but you make this decision here, like it, it really comes down to who's making that right decision more often. Um, I think, and if Smothers is able to do that, you know, we've heard some reports that hey, this guy came in and, and got things really quickly. We don't know. It's it's all encouraging, but we just haven't seen anything at the at the college level yet from him. Brendan Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Have we passed like a, or uh, are, are we passed like a safe marker in terms of staff movement? Do do you expect that Nebraska will have staff movement? One of the um, one of the assistants maybe taking a job somewhere else, or have we kind of passed that season to where it's probably safe? Uh, not quite. Uh, I, I mean, just the that UCF job being open and I'm, I'm not talking about the head coach job for, I think any of Nebraska's assistants, but you know, who knows UCF needs an AD first, but just, just with some of the connections to that program, um, I could, I could see that being the kind of biggest danger for, for potential departures still you get through that one with, without having any guys uh, plucked, plucked away. You might be okay for a good while. Um, you know, barring some sort of bizarre post-spring football or summer change, which we've seen a couple of, but, but don't ha- happen too often. So I'd say it, Nebraska kind of survived about 90% of that journey and probably has about 10, 10% more to go. <laughs> There's been some funny social media postings <laughs> about <laughs> getting the band back together and back at Central Florida. <laughs> by by some Nebraska fans but you know Cranach and and Vogues I I want both of your takes here on just what's been your feel and read on on the social media response not just from from a Kurt Warner you know kind of putting a flyer out for his boy and, and dads do that but also just the player response to the the upheaval and the transfers. What do you, what's your takeaway? Because it seems like everybody on Nebraska's roster uh, had to comment about how much they love being here. Which great, you're, you're back in your coach, I guess. Cranach, you go. I should say, Vogues, you go first. Cranach, you follow. Um, well, we all remember the the one loss Kansas team in in 2007, and of course we recall that that sort of magical season was spurred by all of the players getting on MySpace and, and talking about how, how cool things were. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, oh. on, I, I, honestly, I probably have too cynical of a view of this, but <laughs> like, you, you don't, you don't see that sort of thing happen very often. We've seen it happen twice at Nebraska now in the past 
what, five months? Um, I, I just, that thing, <laughs> watching that unfold alarms me more than anything I've seen on the field in the past three seasons. And I, mm. I honestly mean that. Like, it, it tells me, it's a, it's a case of, you know, protesting too much. It's like, why, why is this happening? Who is trying to be convinced here? That, that things are great and things are awesome. And, you know, maybe I should just read it more earnestly, but my mind, I can't. It's, yeah, it's questionable. And just for folks that maybe aren't familiar, um, you know, on Twitter within the span of a couple hours, you had dozens and dozens of players tweeting out some version of, God, I love this team and I can't wait to get to work. We're more unified than ever, right? Some some iteration of that. You had dozens of players all send it out. So it was obviously coordinated. I think what the question ultimately comes down to is who led that coordination? <laughs> right? If it's so if this was like Jared Lambright and Frost being like, all right, team, listen, we're getting a lot of crap out there. We need everybody to tweet their support. That's terrible. And that is contrived, and that is, oh, my God. Um, if it was Adrian Martinez and Cam Taylor-Britt and Ben Stilley being like, I'm sick of that rumor crap out there. All of you are going to get on your Twitter, and you're going to commit to this team, <laughs> right? That's different. Then it's okay. Uh, right? It's, honestly, that's different. Like, it was obviously coordinated, but who led that coordination is a big part of this. And if it was the staff? I'm with Brandon. I'm very worried <laughs> about where their focus is at. If it was the players, I'm like, okay, okay, maybe a little weird, but at least it was player led. Right. Do we do we know who coordinated it? No. No. D- do, do you, Elijah? I don't. But the, the thing I keep coming back to is you don't see a program like Ohio State doing this. You don't see all the players. You know go, why? Because they win. Yeah. <laughs> But that, that, that's they, don't, what, they don't have to. That's what concerned me is like, does there have to be the message put out that the team is unified? You, you're a team. You'd expect that the team is unified, even despite <laughs> transfers coming out. Like, Well, the last yeah. month, all we've heard is there's no unity, or at least on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, uh, it, it's just crazy. And let's, let's get spring ball here. Vogues, what are you working on this weekend and what's coming up next week? And are, are you uh, going to try Gary Barnett's uh, salt and vinegar uh, wing recipe? Oh, I, I hadn't. I, I, I missed that interview, um, but I, I'm intrigued. Yeah, there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of Super Bowl Super Bowl food planning uh, in, the, in the week ahead, but in, in work stuff, uh, obviously got signing day um, next week, which – probably will be mostly quiet for Nebraska. And it, that might be a good thing for, for Nebraska. I'm currently working on, on something there, kind of spinning off from, A, it being signing day, the, the official, the old school signing day next week, and, and just the kind of spate of departures that Nebraska constantly seems to be dealing with. So uh, look for something on that next week. All right. Vogues, have a good weekend, man. This was fun this morning. Thanks for your time. Sounds good, guys. Thank All you. Right. Brandon Vogel with us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Uh, weekend edition, HaleVarsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbel. We'll step away. The Iron Horse is up next. Gary Sharp with HaleVarsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. 
you know, bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Well, we are still two martinis away. Working on that, we welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Sharpie, any martinis last night? Uh, no. How about how about you rephrase the question? Have you ever drank a martini? The answer would be no. Really? I had one uh, during the uh, the uh, the championship game. It's great. Buddy, okay. My buddy Jaybird made it. It was phenomenal. I had one, and I only needed one. I've uh, just never been a martini uh, person. I usually uh, I go hard or go home. Sure. No, I get it. He made uh, Jaybird made me a dirty martini, and it was wonderful. Uh, okay. It's been a it's been an interesting week, Sharpie, for Nebraska football. And where would you like to start, my friend? What what kind of is the sore thumb of the week? The transfers, the uh, media appearances, and, and that's not necessarily that they're a sore thumb. But you've had more uh, media moments from from Coach Frost here. I think three in the last week, and I know he's kind of getting the word out. You've got signing day around the corner that may not be. Uh, that newsworthy, and uh, yeah, Keyshawn uh, Johnson uh, going pinata on Nebraska yesterday morning. So a lot to talk about. Oh, and by the way, your offensive coordinator was uh, up for a for a head job. So uh, we're going to spin the dial, and, and where'd it land on for you? What do you want to hit? Well, wasn't this week just another week in Nebraska football? That's about right, man. With some, with some, you know, Nebraska looked like an everyday college football program with guys transferring. Uh, guys preaching unity. Uh, they look like a, you know, a, a, I think a, a typical week in Nebraska football. And when you're 12 and 20, and uh, a guy with the last name of McCaffrey and Warner and who their fathers are, they transfer. It's going to get headlines outside of the program, and maybe you don't know or don't care to ask why they're no longer with the program. You know, I, I think I think Nebraska. It's going to be. We, we all have to buckle in. It's going to be a long off season until we get to the start of the season just because there's so much anticipation for year four to see if this is going to happen. But between now and then, what do you want players and, and the head coach to say? They're not, you know, do you want them to speak, speak and give real, real talk? I think Scott tries to do that, and I think in ways he does that. Um, but it's, you know, you're going to have to take everything with a grain of salt and either you have full trust that this is going to happen or you're going to be very skeptical and you're also going to have the past history of being battered and bruised and, you know, things that have been said before buying in and not happening. So get ready. It's going to be a long off season. But I think this last week was just typical for Nebraska and typical in college football. In hindsight, do you think Coach Frost in some ways coddled and or compromised on some basic principles in how he treated and dealt with folks like Wandale, folks like Luke? Well, I'm going to separate them, Mark, because Wandale Robinson, to me, that situation is off the field. I don't think that has anything to do with on the field. Maybe a little bit of how he was used um, so much at running back that he was getting you know, just hammered and physically was getting worn down. I don't know. I think there was a disconnect off the field there. I just, that's, that went sideways. You don't, you don't present somebody like Wandale as a face of your program, and all of a sudden he is gone, and it's just strictly football. I, I think with Luke, with Luke, I think Nebraska made a mistake in recruiting. 
I think Nebraska got on to Luke McCaffrey, and they thought, okay, Adrian Martinez is going to be our quarterback for three years, and Luke's really not going to be pressed into service, and we can bring him along and develop him. Well, all of a sudden you had some inconsistency at quarterback, and you had some injuries, and all of a sudden Luke McCaffrey is pressed into duty, and you haven't developed him. So part of, uh, of Luke not working out at Nebraska is on Nebraska, and part of it is Luke isn't a quarterback that Nebraska can use right now consistently. He just is not. They gave him uh, a little bit of a, you know, to pl- a chance to showcase his ability, and it just didn't happen. And he wants to play quarterback, but he doesn't want to sit behind Adrian Martinez. And then you factor in the fact that Martinez could still be here for a couple of more years. And you're thinking, okay, I'm not going to be able to beat him out. I want to go somewhere else and play. So I, I look at these transfers, and there's plenty. And when you're struggling and there's that amount of guys that transfer and they're not all created the same, and the, you know, there's not a lot of green pastures for guys that have left Nebraska, um, they're, all, they're all created differently. I think Luke goes part of it's on him, part of it's on Bassett. And I've never been here a player scrimmage as a future. We are trying to do put in contact when he needs Gary Sharp's with us. Sharpie, uh, we're going to we, – we had you cut out there. Let's see if we can connect with you. Do you still have us, man? Yes, I got you. Okay, we're it's super fuzzy and hazy. We're gonna try calling you back in two seconds. Okay, hang on for us. So we'll reconnect with uh, Gary Sharp. I'll answer any of your questions in the meantime. Okay. What okay. Questions that you have. So, uh, uh, short side option, third and four. Do we see it next fall? No. Next question. Okay. Uh, is there going to be a <laughs> a a, a, a quarterback sh- sharing situation between Logan Smothers and Luke and? Uh, and Adrian Martinez. Nope. Logan transfers into the year. Next question. Wow. Uh, do you make changes uh, in year five to your staff? No. Next question. Okay. All right. Let's uh, go back to Gary Sharp. Sharpie. That's better. He's a Cr- better guest than me. <laughs> Cranach uh, said uh, no on staff changes for year five. No on uh, sharing quarterback duties with Logan Smothers and Adrian Martinez. Uh, so we, we got those covered. I'm interested in, in your take on the, the Warner situation with, with Nebraska because Daddy went to, to social media yesterday, and he's trying to get his son a spot somewhere. He was you know promoting his kid's film from Nebraska. What do you make of, of the Warner uh, social media, if anything? And we were talking with Vogel about this. What do you make about the, the onslaught of Nebraska player social media about just how good the, the culture is slash the, uh, the all-in side of things? Well, let's, uh, let's start with Kate on the field. Um, first of all, he's a valuable asset. He became a captain. Guys relied on him. He was an older guy. Um, but his playing time really diminished as the season went along, and he got passed over by some guys. And there's really a logjam of wide receivers, unproven wide receivers, but I don't think there's a spot for Cade. And he wants to play. And I think he ends up at a you know, group of five or an FCS school where he can go and play. The, the, the tweets are, you know, we've seen this before. I think they're okay. Some of them are corny. But, but you know, that's, that's not for us. They're not sending the message to us as a consumer. They're sending it across the board to former players, guys that are thinking about coming here, guys that are inside of the program. My my worry was you do something like that, a concerted effort to let everybody know that you're all in, 
There's unity. I kind of get the theme that it's going to be us against them this upcoming season. What happens if one person, because they didn't get the memo, hey, at noon on, on Thursday, we're going to start sending out these mass texts. They're in class, and they don't send out, they don't see the, the request, and they don't put out a tweet, and people go, wow, is that guy not in? You know, that's what I, that's what I fear is we read too much into it. But at this point, tweets aren't going to win you any football game. I know that there's a touting a culture, that the culture is better. And trust me, I believe that Scott Frost believes in his heart of hearts that they are close. They can look at the close losses. He feels that they're about ready to turn the corner. I don't know how many other people believe in that because all we can see is what happens on Saturday, and that's all that matters. But if the culture is better in the program, and it is considerably better in the last couple of years, it's still got some work to do. But what is the culture, and how do you take that improved culture and it relates to Saturdays, where you are ultimately judged. I think those are all questions that they'll have to figure out as we move through the offseason into the start of the season. But I was okay with them. I mean, I didn't get as fired up. I think they were. I think you had to figure out who the audience was they were sending that out to. Gary Sharp with us, Hale Varsity Radio. So if you are Scott Frost at this point, and here you are. You just finished up year three. Rash of transfers just happened. Winter conditioning is happening. Spring ball's on the way. Doesn't look like a lot of staff movement. Tough schedule coming up next year. Things have not been working. Obviously, you've not been getting W's. It appears that maybe his attention has been spent maybe in places it shouldn't be. Um, and he's left maybe a couple things to chance. So if you are Scott Frost, where are you focusing your attention to get everybody in that building on the same page? Because they're not right now, or they haven't been to date. What What are you doing? What are the one or two things that you were going to do to get everybody on the same page? Communication. No, no, the, take the temperature of the room. Um, find out whether you're a young player, an older player, from rural Nebraska, from an urban city. How we doing? How we feeling? What do we need? What do we think needs to happen? Um, I think take the temperature of the program just to get a good feel that the vision that you have, players also have, and you also have the same vision of the roadmap how to get there. I will tell you, I, I think there's a reason, and and you know what, there there still could be a staff change. We don't know. There's still you know uh, staffs around the country. They're still putting together their personnel. Um, I think, and 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 so not changing the staff also gives you an indication of how Scott feels about this is moving forward. He feels like they're close. He doesn't want to disrupt things and keep things moving along. Um, the job that he's going to hire that previously was held by Ron Brown, that player personnel role, I think might be the most important hire that he will have all season long, off season long, even more than the special teams analyst, because that role they're going to ask that person kind of to be the go-between between the players and the staff and somebody who you can bend the ear of and talk about things that are going on that you, you, know, you don't want to go to your position coach or your head coach. I think that will be a vitally important hire for Scott here in the offseason. But does he have the right temperature of this entire football program, and are they feeling the same thing? If that's the case, then – Nebraska can move forward, and then we can start just focusing on X's and O's on the field and how you play football on Saturdays. Sharpie, you nailed it with communication, and it, it's got to be uniform. What you say to player needs to, to be said to coach, and what needs to be said to coach the player. I mean, it, it's all got to be in lockstep. 
And is that something you can get better at as a head coach? And it's not that Scott's been a head coach forever, but he's been a head coach long enough. But it just seems like there's just different, as Cranax nailed, different pages here. Can you get better as a communicator or is it something that you're going to have to like actively work on because it's not a strength from a skill standpoint? I don't doubt oh, the I don't doubt the X's and O's and just the the want to part of it, but just from the CEO standpoint that we talk about every week. I mean, you got to be a good communicator with your team. Well, isn't it just kind of life as a when you become a leader is you lead by the things that you say and you believe in them and you live your life that way. Matt Campbell has done a great job at Iowa State. One of the first things when people say, how is Matt Campbell doing it in all of of the world in Ames, Iowa? I say, you know what? Because he got a group of young men to believe in him because what Matt Campbell says at Iowa State, what he says that, you know, some of the times it's not about football, it's about life. He lives it. He believes it. Players can see it. So they, they look at the message, and they want to believe in you. They will do anything for you. They have given their commitment to you to come play football for you. They want you to be there for them. You're there for them. You've got to be there for them as well. And it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's that dynamic of being on the same page and understanding what you think and what they think, and does it match up. And, you know, that's not easy for everyone in leadership rules. But if you're saying something, you've got to live it as well because you cannot fool players anymore. They just won't take with a grain of salt, oh, he said that, so that's true. This is what we're going to do. You know, players, kids nowadays, you guys got kids, they doubt what you say, you know, until you prove that that's right or you show them. And I think that's for some leaders, especially in college athletics, that's a, that's a tough you know, hill to get over. But once you get over, you're, you're cooking with peanut oil. And I, and I think Scott's growing in that role. Um, I think there have been times throughout the first three years where there, there's parts of Nebraska football that you know, not necessarily have to do with X's and O's that have been a little bit too big for him. So he's got a, you know, the offseason, I, I think he's done a, I, I think I sense a, a more of a, an urgency to get this fixed on the football field and off the football field than I have in the previous three years. And maybe that's a good sign of him growing as a CEO and along with he's going to have to grow as a football coach. It's funny. We're kind of diving into, you know, just being a, a better communicator and making sure that players are, are buying what you're selling or, or you know, or believe mm-hmm. in what you say. You look at defense and, you know, a, a lot of programs at this level – Yes, they're all one team, but defense is kind of its own thing. Offense is kind of its own thing. And if you look at defensively what's going on with transfers or lack thereof or guys leaving early or not, it appears that Eric Chenander has his side of the ball on point, right? Like they are going the same direction. <laughs> there, There isn't a lot of dissension. They are improving do you think Scott can maybe learn something from how Chinander is running that side of things? Um, maybe a little bit, Mark. Um, when you're when you're having success, it's pretty easy to get people to buy in. I, I think there's there's one thing that hurt this offense this past year. I, I love this phrase: culture never graduates. 
It should never have a graduation ceremony. It should always be there, and it should be passed down. Nebraska defensively has benefited from some guys that have been around for a while. So they know what's going on. They know what is expected. And so they've learned it, and they've passed it down. Where on offense, you've had a kind of a revolving door uh, at certain positions where guys are new, and they don't get exactly what's going on, and they're a little bit younger. And so they're not passing things down. Um, get old, stay old is another line that has become pretty popular over the last month. I think that will benefit Nebraska offensively. They've got now some, some older guys that understand the process, but they need everybody to buy into that process and keep it moving. Not just buy in, but keep it moving. And once you have success, build on that success. I think that's what we saw on defense. Guys had success individually. They had success as a group, and they moved the thing forward. Now they've got to make that next jump on defense, but that's a sign of guys that got older, that know what's going on, that have a lot of trust in what's being told to them and who they're playing with, and you saw the result. Can that happen on the offensive side of the football? Because, again, you're going to have some young guys, and you're going to have some guys that are brand new to this whole thing. That's the question to move that offense forward if you want kind of a similarity of why the defense has been so strong together and people want to, want to be back and playing in that defense. Gary Sharp's with us, the Iron Horse. It's Hale Varsity Weekend Edition. Sharpie, what's your read with the, the Matt Lubick, Montana State gig? Um, and is that something that you think uh, continues down a path? Has it been shut down? What do you know or feel about that? And what would it say? A guy wants to go home and take a head job? Or is there something deeper if a guy leaves just after a year? Well, I, I wonder if... He's being connected to that job because of his family connection okay. and his personal connection. If it's just you're trying to figure out who would be candidates, so you're, you're just you're piecing together some dots, kind of like we've done with coaching searches around here. Uh, you know, you'd have to take a pay cut to go be a head coach. I, I don't get the sense that Matt Lubick wants to be a head coach. You know, certainly Scott is not pushing him out the door. Uh, that would be an unfortunate thing for Nebraska to lose your offensive coordinator, but even more, you would lose your wide receiver coach and you'd be on to the third wide receiver coach in three years. Um, it's something to watch, but I'm not overly concerned uh, about it. Uh, but unless he wants to be a head coach, then I, I don't know why he would leave Nebraska after a short time. But there's also the caveat, guys. Matt Lubick's a little bit different. He's a quirky guy. Uh, he's had an interesting career path as a football coach, and then the year off that he was back home in Fort Collins. So you never say never. But in this case, I think it's just the connection. His name was mentioned. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how long his name continues to get mentioned. How real was Fisher in Georgia, in your opinion? Oh, I, think it was, I think it was real. I mean, that's a smart play by Kirby Smart. Travis Fisher is well-known in the industry. And he's a guy that's got connections in Georgia and connections in Florida, and it's recruiting, recruiting, recruiting in the SEC. And then, oh, by the way, Travis Fisher can coach as well. Um, you know, and he's all, he's gonna, this is going to be a go-around, I think, every year. But it also says something about Nebraska. The Travis Fisher has been courted by Lane Kiffin and Kirby Smart back-to-back years, and he's comfortable in Nebraska. Now, he's paid well, but he likes it here. He likes the people he's around. He likes the people he coaches. I think that's a good sign for Nebraska. But getting used to this every year, Travis Fisher is really, really popular outside of Nebraska and inside of Nebraska. Gary Sharps with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Sharpie, a couple minutes before we, we check out of here. Um, as uh, you uh, kind of turn your attention 
to uh, to signing day uh, a feel or a thought? I know there's a couple of spots. Is one reserved for quarterback? Is one reserved for best available? And give me the the feel as as we speak this morning on Avante Dickerson. Well, I don't think Nebraska will sign anybody on Wednesday. That's just my feel. Um, I, I think Nebraska will hold some scholarships. If it's going to be a quarterback, I think it's after the spring. Maybe a FCS guy who had a really good spring or a junior college transfer or somebody that is leaving their program after spring football. Um, in regards to Avante Dickerson, Nebraska's done everything right in recruiting him. They have let it be known before he committed to Minnesota, after he committed to Minnesota, that the door is still open and he would be a valuable member of the class of 21. Avante is a little bit different, as we all have gotten to know. He keeps things close to his vest. Um, you know, and that's okay. Most kids are wide open about the recruiting, not Avante, except for he, on his own, paid for a trip to Eugene, Oregon last weekend. Uh, he's very enamored with the Oregon Ducks, and they quietly have done a great job in recruiting him. And I think Avante Dickerson at 8:10 on Wednesday morning will select the Oregon Ducks and not much Nebraska can do. They've, they've done everything in recruiting. If someone doesn't want to stay home, they want to go explore a place in this country that they've never been before, and also go to a program that right now is better than Nebraska, mm-hmm. can you fault the kid? But this is what you don't do in this day and age of the portal. You don't burn that bridge because you never know. Maybe things don't work out in Eugene. A couple of years later, you get a phone call. Hey, coach, I'm looking to go. I'm looking to come home. And you say, come on down. So I think Nebraska will be quiet on Wednesday, and I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. I think Nebraska can fill in some holes down the road. Um, and remember, we still like the guys that signed back in December. Sure. Sharp, yeah, have, I, go I, ahead. By go the ahead. way, I think that's actually a better fit for him. You know what I mean? Like, if you just look at his skill set and how he rolls, like he's more of a speed, finesse kind of player than he is like a physical Big Ten come up and smack a 230-pound running back player. Well, I think that's right? a good point, Mark. And I think that's a good point. And I also would see him – I think he would get on the field sooner at Nebraska as a return guy than he would mm. playing his natural position. Yep. Yep. Sharpie, we'll uh, get ready for the Super Bowl in a week. Uh, you take care and have a great week. Thanks for the time today. Hey, thanks as always, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks, Gary man. Sharp with us on Hale Varsity. Well, Cranack, we'll do it again, bud. Thanks for jumping in. You too, sir. Okay. There he is, Mark Cranack, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, Weekend Edition. Get the podcast, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Back at you Monday with uh, Hale Varsity at 4 o'clock, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.